You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black leg. If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am streaming and 3CR digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! Good morning, everybody. It's Annie here for Solidarity Breakfast, and uh, we're right in the middle of another lockdown. Uh, The news doesn't look that good, and hopefully you're all keeping as safe as you possibly can. The uh, Before we get on to the business of the day, I've got a bit of uh, news to remind you that, in fact, there is a world outside your house or wherever you are holed in for the COVID uh, lockdown. And it's not uh, necessarily uh, happy news to discover uh, a release put out by the TWU, the Transport Workers Union, that um, 97 trucks crash deaths so far in 2021 with 27 truck drivers killed. That puts a perspective on things, doesn't it? Considering that uh, uh, um, there's been a, uh, you know, this uh, incredibly uh, uh, under... Well, the the fact that there's hardly anybody who's actually uh, uh, driving on the roads and uh, things like that, you know, you'd think that uh, uh, you'd have to look at the other reasons for why such accidents are happening. And the TWU's National Secretary, Michael Caine, says that uh, the lack of regulation in the area is actually number one uh, uh, reason for why this is actually happening. Uh, You might remember a while ago that... uh, um, there was a perfectly good system that was uh, just about to be put into place, but uh, then uh, it was uh, kiboshed by the LNP federal government uh, responding to uh, business interests. So the fight continues. Um, there was a little bit of uh, interesting news uh, regarding the uh, in-camera uh, uh, legal proceedings against uh, um, in the... Uh, affair of uh, um, uh, the lawyer who uh, helped uh, the um, Secret Service agent in regards to East Timor and Australia's incursion or bugging of the uh, parliamentary uh, rooms in uh, East Timor. Uh, Apparently it was against uh, our national interest to tell everybody that uh, something that was already uh, divulged that... uh, um, uh, that Australia, uh, well, Downer, who as our foreign minister, was probably bugging the uh, system there so to help out his business associates in Woodside using public um, 
service peoples in order to do it. But uh, uh, Bernard Caleri's case is being um, uh, held in camera. But the little bit of news, interesting piece of news, is that apparently John Howard is going to be compelled to... uh, um, give evidence. Uh, so that's an interesting one step forward, interesting sort of deve- development in that particular uh, case. Uh, the next thing is if you thought that the uh, news world was becoming smaller and smaller and smaller, then uh, you would be correct. Uh, news Corp has just uh, announced that it plans to cut 31 editorial positions Um and uh, the Mel- uh, Media Entertainment Alliance have uh, put out a uh, an announcement about it. Last week, News Corp Corporation boasted of the most profitable year since we created the News Corp, uh, the new News Corp in 2013, and an increase in Australian newspaper subscriptions of 25,000. Uh, 25%, sorry. Uh, News is also set to reap millions of dollars from deals with Facebook and Google under the News Media Bargaining Code, which must be invested into journalism. But, of course, they're talking about cutting 31 editorial positions. This is at the same time as we're hearing about Sky News uh, setting up a, uh, well, successfully... uh, creating a rural news network at the same time as all these uh, local newspapers are being shut down in uh, country uh, Australia. Uh, But on the same kind of uh, uh, issue, uh, there was also a thing that came out from uh, Senator... Kim Carr, he he is uh, interested in what's going on in terms of uh, research grants. And this is another way of uh, um, pruning or shaping what is actually out there in terms of information and uh, ministerial vetoes of research grants and a dossier of applicants' potential foreign influence are putting Australian academics' reputations at risk and threatening the integrity of the National Research Funding Agency. Labor Senator Kim Carr has warned the opposition is pushing for greater transparency of the increased involvement by ministers and security agencies in research funding decisions amid warnings from the research sector that procedural fairness and transparency is being damaged under a grant approval process yet to be formalised or clearly explained to academics. And he describes it as McCarthyism in a new suit, which is sort of fascinating, we'll, and we'll, pro- we'll probably follow that up. The um, other little bit of interesting uh, reshaping of things that are coming out of uh, federal parliament is legislation to change the um, funding model for uh, all the tax benefits or write-offs that were are being um, that are given to documentary filmmakers and it might seem like a sort of a left field way of looking at this but this new legislation is uh, making it really difficult for uh, lower end documentary filmmakers to get any uh, be able to uh, get any funding or uh, uh, and uh, get any of their funding projects up because they're doing things uh, they they're doing things like uh, saying that uh, you have to um, 
increase uh, the share that of uh, investment before you get any funding by uh, uh, you know twice as much like a million dollars they're saying that you can't do a tax write off for um, your office and administrative expenses that type of stuff so uh, making it really really difficult for people who on um, smaller budgets to get any uh, uh, funding for documentary projects, which is uh, setting um, the world on fire in that sector. So there you go. There's a couple of different ways that you can change what actually is said out there in the mainstream and uh, close down discussion. Um, But uh, there was also some sad news about uh, a very important journalist uh, in the Australian context, uh, Jan Maiman. Now, Jan Maiman... Uh, was an independent journalist based in Perth and she is the person who uh, won the Gold Wilkley Award in 1984 for her reporting that led to the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. She worked for the Sunday Times Insight team as well as The Age, The Canberra Times, The Guardian and The Independent and uh, she uh, was also an early member of International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and of course a member of the Media Entertainment Alliance. But uh, Jan uh, uh, Maiman died uh, this August, aged 80. So Vale, a great hero, Jan Maiman. And uh, we'll be uh, following up on the program today on the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Now, you might already be quite over this, but uh, actually it's one of the most important pieces of information that has been put on the table to actually try and nudge the recalcitrant politicians and their uh, financial masters uh, to uh, actually uh, engage in um, a change in policy so that uh, the issues of climate change can actually be dealt with properly in a grand way. Uh, as it, right at this moment, uh, firefighters are fighting to the death effectively right across the Mediterranean uh, in states in um, America and that uh, we've got increased uh, weather um, uh, uh, anyway, the uh, jury is no longer out. It is actually co- being caused and rapidly increasing uh, this climate change by uh, human uh, uh, actions. And that if it's human actions that are causing it, then obviously human actions can change the trajectory. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to be uh, investigating some of these things. We're going to do it locally first off. We're going to talk to Sue McKinnon, who is part of King Lake Friends of the Forest, and uh, they've done. Uh, they've been uh, battling against uh, the what the government calls the con- conservation regulator, which is Vic Forests. Uh, against, uh, they've taken it to court a second time regarding the um, uh, logging of. <clears throat> fire-affected coops um, up around their local area. And uh, it appears that there are now nine different legal actions from nine different community groups across Victoria that are wrestling with Vic Forests in our name, which is a great and wondrous thing. So we're going to talk to Sue McKinnon first. 
We're going to move on and uh, talk to Dr. Carl Mellon. Now, if uh, we've got a, a Prime Minister who can just confidently go, I was just, this is why I wanted to do this program, is because here we have um, Morrison standing at the uh, mic after the report. Uh, the Intergovernmental plan, uh, Panel on Climate Change report comes out, cheerfully saying like a mad clown that uh, Australia is doing everything it can and uh, it's actually someone else's fault <laughs> um, uh, to camera without any, you know, uh, it's like he goes to lying school or maybe he actually believes it. So I thought we'll talk to do- uh, someone who actually... Uh, knows all about insurance companies and uh, their reaction to the challenge uh, of emerging climate change and the increases of uh, risk of extreme weather events. If they're so in love with business, then let's find out what the business case is. Uh, Insurance companies, the canary in the mine. We're going to talk to Vivian Langford, who is uh, one of uh, 3CR's uh, programmers who has made it her mission to raise awareness regarding uh, climate action and uh, for many years but also she has a quite a progressive approach to trying to raise awareness because I mean as I said to somebody and when I was trying to find someone to talk to Blind Freddie can see that there is a problem and uh if you're being so willful that you don't want to actually do something about it then there's obviously um a reason for that that has to be um, found out so that we can get some change. armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of History in the Making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enrol at icanw.org.au forward slash band school. That's icanw.org.au forward slash band school. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast. And as I promised, we're going to just talk to Sue McKinnon. G'day, Sue. How are you? Hi, Annie. Good, thanks. Yeah. No, well, I was just uh, talking you up because you guys are doing a great thing at the King Lates Friends of the Forest and uh, with uh, eight other fellow um, uh, local groups that are taking uh, Vic Forest to court. Can you tell us about what's going on? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Vic Forest, I'm sure the listeners would know, are logging our state forests in Victoria, particularly the east of Victoria. And most much of that is going to, um, to supply the paper mill. Um, and community groups are a little bit fed up with seeing our forest getting cut down. And at the moment, there are nine legal cases running against Vic Forest. Um, in each of those, we believe that 
Victoria are breaking the logging laws and uh, we're prosecuting for that. Now, uh, just reminding people that when you say the uh, they're cutting for the paper mill, this is to do with uh, uh, the uh, Victorian government saying, uh, giving... Um, uh, making a deal with the paper mill uh, Australia uh, uh, till 2030, isn't it? You know, when they made that announcement about no more native forest logging, but we are going to continue our, you know, part of it was to say that the paper mill could actually continue to get uh, product or, you know, logs uh, till 2030, right? Yes. So, you know, hearing that announcement, we heard... You know, it depends on how you how you hear <laughs> uh, an announcement like that. What we heard was the contract with the paper mill to supply our state forest trees to it is going to continue to 2030. Um, now, this is devastating to us, and we believe by the time 2030 comes along, there's not going to be any forest that's of any value to wildlife um, and to people as for, for our recreation. Um, left, um, there won't be enough forest anyway to... to there, there's already very little saw log left in the forest. There's no trees big enough, um, very few trees left big enough for saw logs, but most of it's going to paper. Um, you know, by 2030, even the, even the paper pulp supply will be so run down, and, and that's basically why... Um, the contract's going to end in 2030. There just won't be any forest left. Yeah, I find it really um, an oxymoron when it's uh, uh, the uh, Vic Forest is called the conservation regulator. Well, the Department of Environment has a, 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 a office within it, which is called the Office of the Conservation Regulator, that is supposed to be independent from Vic Forest. Technically, it is independent from Vic Forest. The Office of the Conservation Regulator is supposed to be the regulator of Vic Forest and, and to make sure that the, the logging laws, the, the Code of Timber Timber Production 2014, is um, adhered to. Now, we, along with all the other groups that I know of, um, submit breach reports to the Office of the Conservation Regulator, the OCR, on a regular basis, saying um, we believe Vic Forest have breached the logging laws in this respect or that respect, and we provide evidence. Now, we usually get a response back that we consider quite absurd. Um, quite often, the OCR will add words to the clause in the logging laws to say, well, no, they're not breaking the laws because of this and that, and... When you read the laws, the clause in the law, you say, well, though, that exception is not there or that extension to the the regulation is not there. How do you make that up? And, and this has gone on for years um, until the point where we're saying, well, we're not going to go to the, the OCR or we're not going to rely on the OCR anymore. We're just going to take Vic Forest to court ourselves. That's really interesting. So they obviously think that you guys are stupid, have no uh, skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 so, uh huh. 
So actually, um, now let's get down to how you do have skills. Logging laws in Victoria are described in the Code of Practice for Timber Production uh, uh, 2014, which limits logging in fire management zones. So can you talk to this? Yes, so that's our recent case. We have three cases running. In our recent case, um, yeah, as you say, the, the code... Is limits logging in in fire management zones, and we, by our interpretation, Vic Forest have already exceeded that limit in many areas that are called bushfire moderation zones. Um, so the public land is is divided into four zones depending on how close that land is to community and to assets and how what protection it needs, those assets in that community needs from fire. And the bushfire moderation zones are those areas that the government has decided needs, um, we need to slow the fires down in those areas and um, reduce the intensity of fires in those areas. And we believe that Vic Forest have already exceeded their, their logging limits in those areas. We took that to court. We, um, the the OCR disagreed with us. They again came back with this, what we couldn't understand, interpretation of the clause, and we 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 had to take it to court. It was just, yeah, it was just too serious. Um, and uh, and at the moment now, the the judge has decided yes, there is a serious question to be answered, and the case is going ahead. We've had several hearings. Uh, the latest in um, the latest hearing, Vic Forest was restricted from logging in 36 forest areas, and that covers about a thousand hectares of forest um, till the end of the case. So the judge just wants to keep the status quo until the end of the case and, and decide what the clause really means. Yeah, 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 which uh, sounds like locals in particular are uh, terribly relieved that uh, they've stopped logging. Absolutely, yeah. You know, when, when you have logging very near to communities, there's, there's a, a huge concern about fire. The, the regrowth after logging is um, can, burn very, can, can burn very easily and can, can, it can get into the canopy quite easily. And canopy burns are very, very serious in forest. Yeah, so are you you would be getting some support from uh, the CFA and uh, uh, the fire uh, professional firefighters, I should imagine. Well, no, not officially. I I, I don't even know that any. I, I I would be sure a lot of our members are CFA members. I, I don't know. I haven't assessed that. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's just interesting because uh, quite clearly uh, the two issues uh, do meld in a, in a certain sense. I do love the way the, um, the judge is quoted as saying in light of this rather obtuse response to, as events have transpired, reasonable requests for an undertaking in order to avoid future litigation, it is hard to give credence to Vic Forrest's claim to be oppressed by the second uh, BMZ proceedings, um, <laughs> as yeah. in, yeah, amazing. It, it was a bit of a um, takedown of, of Vic Forest, I believe that comment. Um, the we 
We have had a, a, a similar case. Our second case was around the same clause, different geographic areas that were covered. But um, uh, the case was, has actually run. We're just waiting for a decision. And um, while we're waiting, Vic Frost started logging in, in different areas in bushfire moderation zones. And we really? said to Vic Forest, you know, hold off logging in bushfire moderation zones until the decision for this case has come down. And Vic Forest refused to do so. And this continued for several letters until we said, well, we, we said we're going to have to start litigation if you, if you don't. And um, they, they continued to refuse to, uh, you know, keep the status quo until the end of the case. So we started, this is that, that's when we started that next bushfire moderation zone case. Wow, that's amazing. So, so mm. I mean, you've had long battles over this, haven't you? And they, and they uh, it, it, in a sense, uh, there's a, um, the antagonism is increasing. Absolutely. Um, I think as, as they realise that they can't just fob us off, they're getting quite anxious um, and, 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 and you're know, moving into places without any warning. They, they pu- they've published their logging plans and, and maps um, supposedly before they start logging, but when we see a, a map plan uh, published, we turn up to the area to you know assess and ensure that uh, regulations are adhered to. Yeah. Um, and um, we find that they've been in there for several days already, even a week. Um, so they seem to be trying to... I don't know, hide away in the forest, hide away their logging in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fascinating. Um, also, uh, you've Vic Forest's operating loss was $7.5 million last year. Mm. So this is actually not about um, uh, being economic or useful, is no. it? It's about something else. It's about something else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yep. right. Uh, and yeah. j- just uh, just before, uh, how long, when do you expect to get a result? Uh, here, you know, the hearings uh, outcome is it very long term? Ah, uh, well, uh, yeah. I, the the case, um, the, our case started. Our first case was in um, started in two thousand and twenty, like about March or April. Um, <laughs> And we, the case still hasn't been heard. That's going to be heard in November this year. Um, but along the way, Vic Frost have, have tried everything to get these cases thrown out of court. In the first attempt, they they um, uh, attacked our standing. They said we don't have legal standing to um, to run a legal case. Uh, the judge disagreed. They Is that why you incorporated? Uh, no, we incorporated before that. Yeah, right. Um, we took that to appeal. Oh, they took that to appeal, and the appeal judge um, uh, disagreed. They said King Lake does have standing, and now they have made an appeal to the High Court about our standing. They they are desperate to have these cases thrown out. They've also um, 
Also, several delays have happened that seem to be quite inexplicable. So, um, you know, the fact that our case is being heard in November is, is quite surprising, considering it was originally booked in for July this year. Um, and then in the recent case, uh, Vic Forth put in a, a request for, to the judge to have the case struck out for abusive process, they said. Wow. And that was disagreed with too. So they don't they seem to um, focus more on um, getting the case thrown out than on the actual arguments of the case. Yeah, yeah. So that, that would be because they want to, they think that you'll run out of money and puff. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So what yep. were you going to say? Sorry, I interrupted. Well, I, I think there may be a second reason to that is, is that um, they want to delay as long as possible the cases and, and while they keep on asking questions about our standing um, and, and putting in uh, summons about, you know, striking out a case, etc., it takes time. And now, you know, these cases have been delayed and delayed. Um, and uh, and, and when, then we hear in, in the end of July, just this July just passed, um, the government released its new timber um, production code, a code of timber production review, 2021, and they believe, and their submissions for that co- that new code were, were over August, the minimum time allowed, and um, and that code they they have said that new code will be released in November 2021, and in that new code. A lot of the clauses that we are using to take Vic Forest to court have been removed or modified. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is what it's about, really. Yeah. 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 So it's it's really um, sad to see the very the, the very poorly regulated um, code. Well, well, we assess it to be very poorly regulated. Um, they said the code seems to have very minimal protection to our forest. A lot of our species have have become endangered while logging is occurring, or or uh, their endangered level has risen, like from endangered to critically endangered. Um, so the protection offered by the code is is just not there, and now the government is weakening the code. Mm, yes, I understand. Are you guys keeping an eye on what's going on in the forests, given the track record of uh, the loggers to just uh, jump in and out wherever they like? Yeah, so we're often there and um, and and going, you know, surveying for animals or, or plants before um, they log, or um, yeah, just just doing everything we can to save every tree we can in, in every way we can. I mean, that's legal, um, a community information sessions, taking community out to do spotlight nights and to do forest tours in the day, um, submissions to government, various policies and the code review. Uh, yeah, so everything we can to save every every tree and every animal there and, um, and, and to save the amenity for the community. I mean, it's a beautiful place to be and, and shout out to the forest and, and go and visit it. It's um, yeah, When lockdown's over, it's a great great place to, to unwind. Well, um, um, it's interesting because uh, I live down by the sea and uh, just yesterday, oh, no, sorry, 
uh, on Wednesday, I went for a walk, which one does when it's locked down. And mm. um, coming off the uh, spirit was a truck with logs on it, timber, and uh, raw um, uh, cut logs, which I haven't seen since I uh, lived up in East Gippsland where they, you know, the battle was always on there. But uh, quite clearly these logs are coming from, hopefully they're not coming from the Tarkine. Oh, I haven't. Oh no, I hadn't heard that. I, oh, I, mean, I just saw it. I just all the time in the in the forest and and around the roads. Um, yeah, yeah, for coming from the forest, but I hadn't heard heard of them coming across from the ferry from from Tassie. But I guess that 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 must be happening all the time. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I was a bit shocked. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. like <laughs> it's like it, seeing it, a it, bloody it, crime scene or something. <laughs> it, it, it's like you know, yeah. You, you picture you picture the tree when you see the log on the truck. You picture what it was: the tree, the feel of it, the spirit, the animals, the history, the connection with our ancestors and and life as it was a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. It's um, yeah, it's devastating. All right. Well, thanks very much for talking to me, Sue, and uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. We'd love to hear more about it. Thanks. And- it's great that you are fighting the battle on such a local uh, uh, issue. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Annie. I love you. I promise to defend you. I love you. I promise to defend you. Mother
Robinson, thank you very much for being with us this evening. There's a lot going on in the world at the moment to cause people great anxiety, COVID, climate change. You are immersed in the climate data all the time. What stops you from being overwhelmed when you see something like the IPCC report come out? From where do you derive hope? It is important uh, to be hopeful. And actually, the IPCC report tells us that it is possible to stay at 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is essential for the future of the world, basically, but it, it, it will require drastic action. And, you know, I have to ask myself, you know, has Prime Minister Morrison read the IPCC report? Because it is important that every country steps up ambitiously now. And in particular, Australia is out of sync with other countries. Uh, you know, Western industrialised countries. Well, our Prime Minister says that technology is the key to addressing climate change, that the world's efforts should be focused on developing countries because that's where two-thirds of emissions come from. Why do you uh, object to that kind of emphasis? Well, I'm very aware of the heartbreak at the moment in the Pacific Islands. I've been there. I've been to Fiji. I've been to um, uh, Samoa. Um, I've been to the um, uh, meeting of uh, Pacific nations uh, without Australia and New Zealand, the, the forum that they have on their own, um, uh, when I was the special envoy of the Secretary General on climate change. And I heard, you know, at that time, a kind of anger. But now it's quite clear that, uh, you know, in the neighbourhood of Australia, uh, you are regarded as um, not being good neighbours. Uh, to the Pacific Islands because of the dependency still on fossil fuel. Uh, the Secretary-General has made it very clear. Uh, we have to get out of fossil fuel. The International Energy Agency, uh, you know, Fatih Birol, uh, is saying we have to get out of fossil fuel. Uh, and yet Australia 
uh, has a policy at federal level. I know that there are states in Australia that have committed to be zero carbon, that there are cities, that this business, um, I'm very supportive of the Better Futures Forum that uh, is coming up. Um, and you know, there's a lot going on. But if at the federal level there isn't the commitment, then it's very hard uh, to, uh, to have anything other than a kind of um, really a sense that Australia is letting itself down at the moment. Yeah, and that's Mary Robinson who uh, was on, it's a small clip from a piece that uh, was on 7.30 Report and in fact you can go to the ABC website and uh, for the 7.30 Report and hear more from uh, Mary Robinson. And uh, the person I was going to speak to uh, in regards to the climate risk isn't answering his phone. He's turned it off. He's he's not answering at all. So I'm not sure uh, that I can proceed with uh, that except that uh, one of the things that uh, the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was uh, saying, you know, if you've looked at the survey, uh, you know, the summaries and et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's written up in very, very scientific kind of precise language. And it's quite clear that uh, uh, a part of it was to... Um, put very clear statements regarding uh, the fact that these changes have accelerated since uh, it, it divides up the two, uh, the periods of time, uh, you know, uh, from, you know, uh, thousands of years to uh, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, or as they like to call it, because it sounds so um, uh, nice and contained, Industrial Revolution, you know, uh, and uh, then it goes to uh, the um, 1950s and uh, then the accelerations from the 1980s as the increase in um, uh, climate change is uh, proceeding uh, because of uh, Australia, uh, because of uh, uh, basically the economy that has been developed around fossil fuels, effectively. But it actually doesn't uh, talk about fossil fuels per se. It uh, actually talks about uh, what humans need to do in order to uh, tackle these issues. And if there were to be uh, a change in behaviour then um, that was significant enough. Then in you know in over twenty years we could actually pull back some of the issues, but some of them are unchangeable, and uh, and that was one of the things I wanted to actually discuss with Dr. Carl Mullen, um, who is the director of science and systems at Climate Risk, and. Uh, <laughs> the insurance challenges that emerge as climate change increases, which is, puts it squarely into the economic range, uh, the economic perspective that apparently is supposed to be so, so, so more important than actual human or uh, environmental society, uh, survival. Uh, but uh, since he didn't answer me, um, we might go to... Uh, this is the week that was, because everything is... Definitely connected. A week solidarity, Bricky team listener, when, well, last week we commented on the same day big economic guru Josh Friedem Icebergs ordered an inquiry into the damage union super funds were causing the esteemed practitioners of the greatest little economic order of them all, damage like fiscal indigestion. A totally unbiased, no predetermined outcome inquiry led by the equally neutral ex-institute of public, very, very private affairs poly Tim Wilgett Union son, 
He also announced he would not allow a review into the at least 25 billion JobKeeper rip-offs by those esteemed practitioners. Well, this week, Josh went one better. He turned the debt collectors loose on workers who received JobKeeper, who therefore, for some reason, owe the government money they allegedly ripped off many of whom may have been ripped off by their caring employers, as the revelation that caring employers had ripped off at least 25 bill pointed out many had pocketed the windfall and not passed it on to those for whom it was intended. Uh, Josh, why are you going after workers and not going after the 25 bill or at least 25 bill your mates or, or well, caring employers ripped off? Well, obviously, on the one hand, we are dealing with lazy, avaricious workers and dole bludgers, and on the other hand, we are dealing with caring employers. Uh, yes, but, but why treat them differently? Well, obviously, on the one hand, we are dealing with lazy, avaricious workers and dole bludgers, and on the other hand, we are dealing with caring employers. I suppose that's a reasonable explanation. Well, it's the best we're going to get. And the caring employers certainly care for a quid. Oh, and Josh's concern for lazy, avaricious workers and even-handedness toward evil unions was franked when he accused the Socialist Party of hypocrisy for not demanding trade unions who have made donations to the Socialist Party repay JobKeeper payments they received. Well, possibly, Josh, because they didn't rip off. And Josh would know not one of the caring employers ripping off the at least 25 bill would have ever donated a cent to the caring business class party. Also mentioned last week, the True Blue Aussie Capitalist Review speaking for those who understand these things, death's part of living with virus. We did suggest it's rather part of not living with and its proponents don't see themselves as the not living. Well, this week, one of the giant minds of the Hayseed and Cheapshit Party, Matt Canavan of Coal, wrote a whole think piece for the Capitalist Review to elevate it several thousand percent above the thinking that went into it, in which he calculated each life saved by the Sydney lockdown cost the economy $330 million. Real figure, listener. He rewrote that. No, I've got no idea either how he dredged that up. He produced some amazing maths, subsequently demolished by Richard Dennis of the Tubular Wasi Institute, who suggested Matt's figures were out by roughly 100% give or take apart from the morality of valuing private profit over life, but then they do that by the day. It's just that a pandemic highlights the equation. However, I raise Matt's major contribution to literature and logic because I'm sure you have mistakenly concluded Matt's motivation in arguing for no lockdowns, just learn to die with the virus, was to defend the rights of the caring business class and the great resource behemoths. Well, you couldn't have been more wrong. Well, we couldn't, because I made the same mistake. See, Matt said the lockdown and its massive costs, $330 million for each life saved, badly affected the poor, and he was the great defender of the poorest of the poor. Like his 330 mil figure, he didn't quite explain the logic of that one either, but what a champion of the down and out. Who, if Matt gets his way, will soon be down and out, disposed of in a pauper's grave. We now look forward to Matt's treatise on this UN of the US of the UN of the World Panel on Climate Change report predicting dire consequences for the planet, given that Matt at least concedes that COVID exists, whereas he knows climate change doesn't exist.
but I'm sure he could give us an accurately assessed figure on what it would cost to save every life of every creature on Earth from something that isn't happening. And the good news is, it doesn't matter because we're going to exceed our target anyway. Big Supremo scuttled them more lash son, a.k.a. Scummo, told us so. We are leading the world. We will meet and exceed our target. Uh, but, but we haven't got a target, and we will meet and exceed it. Scummo's deputy Big Supremo and Matt's Hayseed and Chief Shit Party Supremo Barnacle, it's just giant mind after giant mind, isn't it, said we couldn't rush into reacting to the UNOB report without knowing the costs of acting to prevent that which is not happening anyway. And when asked what would be the costs of not acting, Barnacle said that was a trick question. Presumably because he couldn't think of a tricky enough answer, but people had to come up with answers that wouldn't cost, and when asked, wasn't it the business of government to come up with answers, Barnacle said, no, no, it was up to the CSIRO and scientists to come up with the answer. Not sure who he thought wrote the intergovernmental report, but anyway, given the government's and Barnacle's much-publicised acceptance of the science, can we just spot the odd flaw in Barnacle's argument? Uh, so you now believe in the science. Uh, depends. On what? On what they, you know, like, say? It's almost certain they'll say we must eliminate fossils. Then that would be like, you know, a matter for government to, like, decide. But you just said it was up to the CSIRO and scientists. Only if they know what they're, you know, like, talking about and, and up to date they haven't got a, like, clue well, at least the old barnacle fronted up for the interview, whereas the minister responsible for championing the fossils, Angus Tailings, ignored the responsible bit and was unavailable. Apparently on the day the scathing report on matters for which he is responsible was released, Angus didn't think it was any of his business to respond, leaving us to ponder what he thinks he gets paid for. Ditto, the Minister for Environmental Obfuscation, Lees and Dregs, who headed across the world a couple of weeks ago to convince the World Heritage Council not to declare the endangered, not-so-great-anymore Barrier Reef from being declared endangered, describing her success as a great day for True Blue Aussie, even if it was not so great a day for the poor bloody reef. And, and we know some admirable young people took her to the federal court, which ruled she had a duty of care to protect them from the ravages of climate change, if there is such a thing. And now she is appealing that decision on our behalf using public funds, declaring she has no duty of care to protect future generations against a threat to the future of the planet. It, leaving us to ponder again what she thinks she gets paid for, other than to deny there are any threats to the environment. Well, when climate change is discussed, the response comes from Angus, the Minister for Fossils, and scuttle them, who knows that if the dear baby Jesus made all those fossils, then they must be good for all of us and good for the great resource corporations. So obviously the environmental portfolio has nothing to do with climate change, if there is the environment obfuscation portfolio. That may be her defence. They sued the wrong minister. The environment has nothing to do with the environment, with climate change, if there is. Thankfully, the Socialist Party has a policy to develop a policy sometime before the end of the planet. Its spokesperson, Chris Bowen, to Capital, attacking the government for not having a policy, but announcing the Socialist Party does not need to have a policy, which exacerbates the government's lack of policy. 
we can't announce a policy until the government finally announces a policy, Chris explained. Uh, Why not? Because we don't know what we have to agree with. We can't risk announcing a policy the government could attack us over. Troubler was his biggest polluter AG held to the planet's supremo Graham Hunt for profits, pointed out sensibly that coal will be needed for many years to come. And even more sensibly, in his Hunt for Profits, advocated that the national electricity market could provide payments for coal and gas plants beyond the power they produce. What a brilliant response to the UNOV report. More government corporate welfare for fossils. <laughs> At least we've got to admire their audacity. We also laid odds last week after US of the UN of the US of the world train killers in Darwin were allowed to be slapped over the wrist by the US of legal system for crimes committed against true blue Aussie law in true blue Aussie, rape and assault. Odds that our laser-like legal-minded Attorney General Michaelia Costa workers would demand the US of return the favour by releasing Julian Assange immediately. As it turned out, Michaela surprisingly didn't order the US OB to release Julian. While the US OB turned up in a London court to inform the bench it, it the bench had been misled by an expert psychiatric report in refusing extradition based on nothing more than the expert psychiatric report. The US OB insists the court must reject this expert fallacy and accept the expert opinion of the US OB that the accused is guilty of exposing US of war crimes, which everyone knows are not war crimes, but actions essential to the US OB fulfilling its God-given role as the upholder of world peace. God bless America. And of course, apart from the minor fact that there is no plea of not guilty allowed for the crimes he is charged with, exposing US of war crimes, he would naturally receive a fair trial. He would naturally get two life sentences plus 75 years, just to make a good thing of it. And back here, our number one trained killer, Angus Camp, for whom the bell tolls, announced an internal inquiry that should sort it out, into serious failings uncovered by the reporting to Tribulosi war crimes in Afghanistan and hasn't the invasion by the coalition of the killing worked a treat? Serious failings, Angus. Yes, we must make sure that in future these matters never see the light of day. Finally, the sundry inquiries uncovering the proof of what we knew anyway of the criminality down at Jamie Puker's Crook Casinos Jamie and Crook Chairperson Helen Conlem says they should be allowed to retain their interests in the private mint and their reputations. Well, let's relieve them of that worry. Let's assure them, Helen, Jamie, your reputations are guaranteed. Good morning. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots, you know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to, yes, Fill in the Dots.
3CR Community Radio. You got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 855am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. Yeah, and you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast. And uh, on the line, we've got uh, Vivian uh, Lang- Langford. G'day, Vivian. How are you? Oh, hi, Annie. I'm fine, thanks. In Sydney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I was... Uh, Particularly wanting to have a yarn with you because uh, you are um, you've been committed to uh, raising awareness of climate action needs uh, for quite a long time now. Um, what was your reaction to the intergovernmental panel on climate change? Well, I was pissed off, really. You know, they are the most highly respected messengers. You know, it's like David Attenborough telling you something. The IPCC, everyone quotes them. But this is a document for policymakers, and the media immediately jumps on it and creates a diversion. And I think we need an IPCC report for dummies because <laughs> the policymakers here, you know, they're not going to get the message from all that huge, you know, 1,500 pages. And there's two more reports coming, very well worded, but every word is so carefully chosen. And I think that's fair enough. It's a consensus report. They have to sign off on each sentence. You know, I've heard scientists talk about this. They have to haggle over each sentence. So, of course, it's watered down a bit. It's really brave to say, oh, climate change is human-caused or human-induced, but no-one's going to say those heat waves in Canada are caused by Australia's exported gas and coal, you know, direct connection. They're never going to say that. So our media can easily distract us from that fact and talk about our national emissions and our outside power stations, but it's not that, it's our exports that I think we need to really take fairly on the shoulder and and take responsibility for. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, uh, I mean, I looked at, I perused the um, summary of the report and you're right, it's incredibly um, precise in its language. And uh, I suppose in a way, uh, because uh, um, capitalist governments uh, spend an awful lot of money on um, spin, on public relations, uh, governing by gossip, uh, it's it's a legal document which can be uh, spun any way they want it to be spun to a, an audience that's already petrified. I mean, I don't think it's possible for anybody in the community to deny that climate change is happening and that it is human-made. It wasn't news. No, but there is a great layer in our society, just as there are COVID deniers and vaccine deniers, who, like there was a winter ball. The young Liberals in Canberra had a winter ball last week and they auctioned off, you know, a fundraising thing, a lump of coal, the first lump of coal out of Ardani's Carmichael mine. I didn't know that they actually started producing Yeah, coal, yeah, they did last, um, two, about June. three weeks ago. Yep, 
And so they auctioned that, $2,600 it was. And so people are laughing and celebrating, having a winter ball. So there's that, that elite of society where, you know, they just think it's funny. They think it's fun, you know, and short-term profits. You get Barnaby Joyce on the radio. And Kelly was pressing him and pressing him one day. I heard him. Uh, she said, but what are the costs of inaction, Barnaby? And he just raved on, oh, yeah, what are the costs? Yeah, we can't afford it. The farmers can't afford it. You know, always this thing, crying, poor, blaming China. Always they can divert and distract. And it's not just the government. There's PR firms. I've been reading about the lead-up to COP26 in Glasgow. And these PR firms like Rio Tinto, the PR people for Rio Tinto, Exxon, Chevron, they're all lining themselves up. I heard this new phrase, um, you know, gas is the um, compromised solution. They're lining themselves up. They'll provide the gas, and that will give us the transition. They've been calling it a transition fuel for decades. And they will be there at COP26. You know, they, they can pay for a lot more influence than, than uh, the people who are out there on the front lines who's ones I report from when I do my radio program, which I've been doing for 11 years, I just report from the people who are, you know, trying to stop it. They're trying to stop it, aren't they? They're trying to stop the gas in the Beetaloo Basin. They're trying to um, extinction rebellion. Last week they were in Canberra daubing the walls of Susan Lay's office. It was, you know, it was a very, very earnest, serious, like Mahatma Gandhi kind of thing where they sat there with the most incredible composure and they wrote Beauty of Care on her wall and put tomato sauce over them to show the, you know, generational, you know, shock of the uh, duty of care to the future generations. And even the court told Susan Lay she had a duty of care, but she's appealing that. So she and the people with Adani Colfer auction, they're, they're another layer of society. They're not like us. And I don't think they think like us, and, and they have to be stopped But the IPCC kind of report isn't going to stop them. You know, that's, that can be done and dusted in a few weeks' media, but, you know, and people are anguished about it. The general public gets it. Well, there's... Uh, the policy makers don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... Uh, with the gen- I mean, it's been put... Uh, in fact, it was put on the uh, uh, left... A Green Left's breakfast program last yesterday morning that... Oh, yeah. um, that in actual fact, the speaker that they had talking about this, that uh, he was saying that uh, uh, fossil fuel is so embedded into the capitalist system that they can't see that it can exist without it. And therefore, we just have to uh, bite the bullet and put up with the... um, uh, results and in 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 actual fact, uh, environmental chaos is an op- a business opportunity, perhaps. Well, it is, and and they will be lobbying that way. But this is wrong thinking. You know, it's completely wrong thinking. It's like genocide. You know, in countries you have a genocide and you get rid of the people you don't want. But um, now they're getting rid of all of us. You know, we have Jeff Bezos and what's his name, the other one from Virgin shooting themselves up into space, you know, like we can explore space and they're saying they're doing this for humanity. Oh well well if you if you fantasy land. Yeah, if you if you stay on the line, don't go away. I've got a little clip from the uh, George Mobiot. Yeah, Yeah, the um, George Mobiot is a fantastic uh, journalist and he's a warrior, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Very clear and very uh, uh, thorough 
investigations and yeah, his I English. Love, I love that little thing. He was so, uh, his listeners could look it up to on YouTube, George Mombio, Jeff Bezos, because it's very funny. His reactions yeah. to it extremely funny. Well, I've got a little bit of it and okay, uh, it's it. and it's part of, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just play it. I'll put you um, on hold and okay. uh, you'll be able to hear it too. Here we go. It's almost the perfect expression of decadence. Here we have this man, richest man there's ever been, like a Roman emperor on speed, extracting money from his empire in order to pursue the vanity project of all vanity projects, sending himself into space. There's something particularly ironic about Jeff Bezos pouring billions into getting himself into space while promoting the idea that space travel will somehow save us from environmental catastrophe at home. This is a man who runs a corporation called Amazon, named after one of the greatest ecosystems on Earth, which is being hammered by climate breakdown, among other forces, and seeing runaway forest fires, potentially the cascading ecological collapse caused by a combination of deforestation and climate breakdown. And part of that is being caused by the activities of corporations such as, hmm, let me think, Amazon. There are some men who cannot be content unless they are burning phenomenal quantities of fossil fuel. And the dream of billionaires now is to burn those quantities of fossil fuel in order to escape the Earth's orbit and go into space. And this dream is entirely consistent with the deeper billionaire fantasy, which is of exit, of escape. They have sought successfully to escape from the constraints of the nation state. They don't want to pay taxes. They don't want to be regulated. So they move their business through tax havens and secrecy regimes offshore. They're an offshore elite. Everything about them is offshore. And now they want to be off planet. When Jeff stepped out of his giant phallus, he said something which could be seen as disarmingly honest, or perhaps it reflects a complete absence of self-knowledge, but he said, I want to thank every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer, because you guys paid for all of this. They did pay for it. They paid for it in terms of the gross exploitation of their labor, which Amazon engineers, forcing them to piss in bottles because they don't even have time for toilet breaks. Every Amazon employee, thank you from the bottom of my heart very much. So Richard Branson, another member of the giant metal phallus class, says, if we can do this, imagine what else we can do. Well, we don't have to imagine it. We've seen what else Richard Branson has done, and none of it is pretty. Trying to move into the NHS, suing the government for not giving him the contracts that he wants, demanding bailouts for his airline company, and putting the money to send himself up into space. And when he says we... Who does he mean by we? There's no we in Richard Branson. He's the biggest self-publicist who ever existed. It's all about me with Richard Branson. This is for us. This is for planet Earth. This is for everyone. No, it's not. This is a billionaire's game. We're building a road to space so that future generations can build the future. The amazing thing about these billionaires is just how stupid they are. We live on this beautiful planet. It's the most beautiful planet in the solar system by far. And... We have to keep it safe and protect it. And the way to do that is slowly over decades to move all heavy industry, all polluting industry out into space. Christ. Christ. 
That's what we're going to do so we can keep this planet the gym that it is. Here's Jeff Bezos saying we can solve the Earth's problems by building a road into space and shift all the damaging industries into space. I mean, the most basic calculus, you know, just on the back of your hand with a barrow, you could work out that that would cause massively greater impacts than any of the industries are causing here on Earth. And the idea that putting someone like Jeff Bezos in charge of some space road project, which incidentally is technically entirely infeasible, when he's made such a horrendous mess of planet Earth already, is a good idea, could only have come from the mouth of an ass like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Are you still there? Yes, I am. <laughs> and I'll ju just give a plug for uh, this is a, a, a YouTube channel that George uh, Mobius is part of. It's called Double Down Media. Double yeah. Down Media. And that's only a little bit of what was said. And of course, it doesn't have the visuals which really go home. And I've yeah. recently done a report about the Amazon effect. And um, it just is disgusting that Jeff Bezos should say what he just said regarding the. Uh, he, as if he's. Um, it's almost like the COVID uh, story, you know, like we're all in it together. And he, he sounds yeah. like he's the head of a government saying, you know, I couldn't. We couldn't have got done this or he's yeah. JFK you know we you know America is doing this you know Jeff Bezos obviously believes that for somehow or other that uh, he can uh, crucify workers uh, yeah. it, it, the way he does and now he's they're coming to Australia you know but every time someone actually uses the Amazon system to buy a product they are nailing a a, a, a a, um, a nail into the coffin of uh, yeah. workers. Yeah, and it's a business model that, that they aggressively promote. But there's post-capitalism, there's post-growth, there's a lot of thinkers and people pushing the other way. And that's why I want the IPCC, you know, credibility, science and the, and the two other reports that are coming in March to, next year to, to, you know, be much more... Manage, uh, we'll point the way for the media because the media are shills. I've just learned this word shill. Someone said it. On <laughs> it's my a Jewish word, yeah. Huh? Shill. I never a really, I looked it up. It said uh, like a stooge or an accomplice. And so the media is an accomplice to do this. It's not just government to, you know, this IPCC is for policymakers, governments, but we have these um, businesses who, who, as you say, feel like they're an alternative government and they can employ a lot of chills, as it were, to, to just promote their way of thinking. So we've got the gas-led recovery here, for example, COVID recovery, gas-led. There's not much protest against that. Yeah. Oh, because it's, it's, it's a pathetic lie. It's a complete yeah. pathetic lie. Um, the, uh, the And not to mention that they, they are a crew of people who obviously have absolutely no empathy. The statements coming out of Kavadao, the big, long, apparently he can write, because he wrote, or someone ghosted it for him, wrote an article for the fin Financial Review, as Kevin pointed out in This Is The Week That Was, that where he says that uh, basically it's just too expensive to save people's lives. Uh, we should just get on with business. COVID's just, you know, uh, um, who cares? Yeah. I mean, this man, w uh, this man was voted for and put into government. Yeah, I know. 
Well, this is why, look, I, I try and do a different thing on the radio program I produce. I've been doing a series. I would like to tell you about it, and, and the listeners might have caught up with this. I've done four episodes based on a novel. And I think, gosh, what's a climate program going to do with a novel? Well, I found this novel called The Ministry for the Future, and there's a character in it that's very like Mary Robinson, based on Mary Robinson. You know, she's a very mature and composed woman, very diplomatic and she's in Zurich with this Ministry for the Future, and their job is to look after the future generations, like the, the Judge Bromberg said, you know, intergenerational crime, prevent that. And um, there's, I've done four episodes because the book is a kind of springboard, and I've, I've covered all the alternatives, not just which the media would have a program like that dedicated to climate action, climate solutions, climate work, you know, because... They, they do it here and there, Geraldine. I'm thinking mostly of the ABC, but a lot of the programs, they dart in and dart out when a report is produced. TV has all these, you know, the image of the stagnant mind that produces those smokestacks every time and the same images. But there's marine heatwaves. There's death that we can't see. There's terrible things in climate change that IPCC can point out, but... The media hasn't caught up. They haven't illustrated that and dramatised that for us. And so I, I found this novel, which it actually has all the, a lot of the solutions tried out in a novelistic form, and you can you can imagine your way into the future through that book. And I've, I've had great fun with so many people who are doing terrific work. You know, people in, in Canada doing marine research on salmon restoration and biodiversity corridors here in Western Australia and Queensland and rehydrating um, the earth. You know, I inter interviewed people in Slovakia, Slovenia, you know, about rehydration, slowing down floodwaters and all that. Bangladesh. Well, there's so many people I'm interviewing all the time that I think, well, hang on, I'm seeing this picture, but the rest of the media don't seem to be telling it to me. I have to search for it. And I just think it's, it's, it's not so much wrong and outrage, it's just a pity because it's so exciting and so beautiful what alternatively is happening, all the drawdown projects that, that are happening. So basically what you're saying is uh, that uh, um, the basically the message, I mean obviously the media is captured by and I was pointing out earlier in the program that there's a whole lot of methods being used by right wing uh, conservative forces in Australia to uh, stymie any uh, um, discussion in the mainstream. Like uh, it, there's lots of work being done by lots of people, and uh, I mean the other day, it, I mean it was uh, oh we we should get uh, CSIRO to do all that stuff, but of course the LNP government started quite a long time ago uh, uh, trying to gut the efficiency and uh, long t longitudinal studies coming out of CSIRO because uh, under the banner of becoming more economic and that anything that we do should be, any research we, sh we do should be related to being able to be create prof profitable business. Mm. Now, this is part of reconstructing the entire mind of Australians uh, around the concept that everything is about making business and profits for a small majority of people. Um, in fact, one of my, my daughter was saying that one of her friends who's a nurse is really worried about the economy as opposed to COVID. Mm. 
and help, um, which is what their end game is. And as I pointed out earlier in the program, uh, the funding to uh, institutions, the funding to uh, researchers, what research is being done, uh, how much money has been taken out of um, environmental studies programs over years that this... LMP government's been in uh, the fact that the uh, um, the think tanks that are related to the right are being financed by the fossil fuel companies and that the changes in the public service where they outsource a whole number of jobs because uh, at which means that they're not under the same accountability regime that you'd expect for the public service. Now, these are all things that have been reported in different programs on um, 3CR, but if they're all gathered together, they actually show why we're in such a polis condition and why the mainstream media is unable, is unfit for purpose. It's not fit, that's right. But still, I come back to my point, the restoration project, you know, the the CSIRO and a lot of universities are, are actually promoting and working. I interviewed this guy. He's working on reconnecting five forests in Costa Rica, um, you know, in, in Central America there. You know, <laughs> the five giant forests, and, and they are working on it. They're paying people to restore the forests there. So, and, the, and the biodiversity corridor. I mean, there is, there is work being done. Um, I so it's not like, hopeless. It's not hopeless. No, no, the, 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 this common message. Hope or, hope or no hope is, is not the right thing. It's not a, a binary like that. It's it's um it's it's knowledge. You have to have knowledge of what's actually happening. And if you keep being fed all the things that are not happening, we know our government. They're, they're, as I said, IPCC for dummies. They need they need an absolute guidebook to that that support. But um, they're not the they're not. That's not the end of the world. They're not the end of the world. We are creating the end of the world if we we just. Michael Mann, you know, Professor Michael Mann, his book Climate Wars. He says the most dangerous thing is to for good people, you know, the people who are informed, who, who are concerned, for them to despair and to and to, to spiral down into despair. And he said that many times in a big chapter in his book. And he sees that as one of the one of the climate wars media attacks is to create despair and I've often thought that when you listen read articles or listen to the media they seem to be having this sort of subtext saying you can't do anything, nothing you can do so I go out and interview all the people who are doing something and I never, there's never a shortage of them you know, I can, there's tons of them and so I just feel we have to err on that side and the media has to be interested in them in a concerted way Mm. So your program's on on Monday afternoons, right? Yeah, 5 p.m. on Mondays, and it's also broadcast in Sydney. It's yeah. called Climate Action Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, also, you, you've often spoken to me about how um, this, this particular issue that you're talking about, which is um, the, all these great things are actually happening, and it, you want to be able to discuss these things in forms that will actually get the message across. That's what you're trying to do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's telling people stories. It's, it's highlighting what they're doing. But it needs to be, you know, like it, um, 3CR gives, gives me that, gives us, you know, our team, that slot, one hour, 
every Monday. But where do you find that on the, all the other radio stations? One whole hour to climate action. Not just climate change with all the climate porn, but, you know, the climate action. Who's doing something? And there's nobody else who's, who's dedicated to that. Um, you know, Robin Williams has the science show and he has all these new beauty, great inventions, but a lot of those are sort of... They're exciting for people who like talking about science, but they're things that you can't take to scale. Where I'm, I interview the people who are doing the, uh, who are having the big results. I feel I'm concentrating on: is this affecting climate action, of climate change? Is this diminishing climate change? Is this drawing back emissions? Because the, the other media keeps keeps shifting the spotlight, you know, from the causes of it and the um, pollution. I think. Well, it's in, uh, interesting to me that, uh, like you, uh, there's going to be another climate uh, action uh, conference in Glasgow coming up, right? Uh, in yeah, a few November. Mo- in November, yeah. and uh, also the other thing, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same kind of field. Uh, the government spending all this time lobbying and, in fact, getting um, that guy, Matthias, whatever his name is, the one that used to be in our parliament, Gorman, Gorman, Gorman. Ma- yeah. Matthias Gorman, into mm. the position of the OECD oh, uh, yeah. Look, in order to be able... It's jockeying for power. The power yeah. players, they all, they never die, do they? They <laughs> retire. No, no, no. Uh, but but they what they're doing is constructing this image that you know. So, for example, um, uh, the uh, barrier reef's fine. Don't worry about it. The barrier reef's fine. But it's not mm. fine. It doesn't matter what they do. It's not fine. Mm. Let's just see. See, this is the same denial thing as we're talking about basis or delusional thinking. We have Susan Lay. She's the Minister for the Environment. She went all around the world lobbying countries like Russia and so on to get them to say that, no, it shouldn't be, you know, that UN, what was it, United Nations? Whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, like whatever definition that was. She she actually spent carbon miles on on planes going around trying to persuade people to say, okay, yeah, have another few years of not in danger, but it is in danger. It's patently in danger. So that's delusional thinking. Then she comes back here and the court says, you are responsible for the next generation, and she's still delusional. So she says, no, no, I'm not, and, mm. and appeals that, takes it to the Supreme Court, yeah, wasting well, another two years of time. Yeah, 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 which, which is what I was really getting at. Um, the yeah. All these things are uh, almost stalling tactics. So Yes, it's all Delaying and stalling. Is the Glasgow conference a stalling tactic? Do these things actually... Is it good? I mean, are they useful? Of course they're useful, but but it's like you've been on Zoom meetings with 10 people, 20 people. Could you be on a Zoom meeting with 1,000 people? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of like... It's very hard to imagine how it works. But one of the people on my next Monday program, I've got Dr. Salim Al-Haq. He's... Um, Bangladeshi climate science. He has been to every stop. He told me I've been to all of them. And he always goes there on the subject of loss and damage. You know, he's an expert on loss and damage and compensation. But so far, that compensation hasn't flowed. You know, they promised it in Paris to those Pacific Islands and low-lying countries, but no, it hasn't happened. And so Salim Al-Haq, he's just such a... He's a Muslim. He's a very composed sort of man, very dignified. He, he just... He's a power speaker. I would, I would like many, much more to hear from him on the on the radio. You know, because he he continues to persevere. He he made all sorts of networks there, and eventually, I suppose the money will flow. I hope it will. But um, you 
can't give up on those processes. But I think around the back you have to do a lot more. Yeah, you almost uh, would think that um, the system needs to change. Well, the system's always changing. We, we've lived through in our lifetime a huge system change with you know, social change. Things do change imperceptibly when you're in the moment, but they do change. And so who are the people pushing in the right direction? It's just got to think about, don't go down the wrong direction. Don't be allowed, don't allow yourself to be distracted and delayed down the wrong direction, like the gas, gas, necessary compromise. Just take a note of that phrase, because that'll be coming out. That's what all the PR firms are taking to Glasgow, gas, the necessary compromise. Australia will love that. <laughs> Plenty of gas. <laughs> We've got tons of gas to export, so they'll love that, but... We have to just be wary of it, be honest, you know, just don't have one little program called Media Watch that takes 15 minutes, you know, not sarcastic. It has lots of media critique. We don't have anything like that. You know, we don't have enough of that criticism and, and much uh, harder interrogation of people. They get away with murder, Barnaby Joyce, what a, you know, <laughs> what's it going to cost? He says, as if San has to come up with the costing that he needs to have done himself. It's ridiculous, these people. You know, the only only thing about him is that he's so red in the face, you think he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> there, there may be there may may be something in that. Yeah. Well, I come back to what the judge said in the case: the children took a coal mine to to the court, and the judge, you know, agreed to their their plea. And he said, uh, "This is going to be the greatest intergenerational injustice." ever inflicted. Well, Bunby Joyce has got two little children and several grown-up children. He has to think about the intergenerational um, injustice that's happening. And, and, and they'll eventually swivel and we're pivoting away from coal already. We've just got to also pivot away from gas, you know, and pet and oil. You know, it, it, it's done, You're dealing with such weaselly people, such cashed-up weaselly people and deluded people. Like I said, auctioning a piece of coal, you know, ha-ha. for talking to us today, <laughs> Vivian. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, the, the best thing that came out of this today was uh, hearing about them auctioning off coal. My God, oh. what, what morons. Yeah, well, uh, in the uh, program uh, at the end of the radio, the climate action program, I always have a little bit of that Morrison saying, it's coal, don't be afraid, it's coal. Well, <laughs> we should be suitably afraid. Yeah, we should be very afraid. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I hope, I hope listeners will listen to the Monday PM show because I, I try. You know, we try and bring a great variety of voices to the air for them. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. 
please get vaccinated. And that's the end. A message from Victoria's community sector. Yeah, a 3CR supporter. Oh, a tale. There was a tale to that announcement. Um, we're coming to the end of the program, of course. It's uh, Solidarity Breakfast, and coming up next is Asia Pacific Current. Um, it was great having a yarn with uh, Vivian Langford. She does a great program, and uh, her uh, unending optimism is something that we should all emulate, I'd have to say, when um, because the fight is big. It's a big fight. And obviously there's a whole lot of nonces who are in the way for, of um, getting a good result. But there's plenty of people up there who are doing great work. I'm um, sorry we didn't hear from Dr. Carl Mullen, but never mind. We did get to hear from uh, Sue McKinnon from the uh, Friends of King Lake Forests. Uh, uh, King Lake Friends of the Forests who are doing mighty work on a local level and uh, who uh, gave us a little bit of an understanding of the uh, tactics that are used in order to slow down uh, preservation of forests. Uh, as I said, coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents and we'll go out with the wonderful Alt Weavers, The Other Side. Yeah.